Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. Have some tequila, I'm this week on Splash and Margaritas, it's Fox News contributor, former ESPN sideline reporter, and current Washington football team and Fox 5 reporter, Britt McHenry. Everybody kind of stressed out during the pandemic. Britt had a little bit harder time. Wait until you hear what happened, how she's recovering. And Squats and Margaritas is all about reinvention, overcoming. And a couple years ago, she got some backlash in the press. And she's redefined herself. She's been able to move past it and continue on with her career. And I'm hoping she can inspire anyone listening to do the same. Here's my episode with Britt McHenry. ESPN was your first love, like you say, like that's your, like sports reporting. And then you kind of went from sports to politics. Like what was that transition like? (laughs) Wild. Um, So it is, it is unique that I'm experiencing that again, like you said, to, uh, I feel like all of us, no matter what your job is, just got very wary and tired um, through the Trump administration years. And that's not even to, to slam them. I'm not, I won't even get political in that sense. It's just a lot of social division happened. And um, now I, I just want happiness and, and sports. I feel like we've gotten back to a point where sports is really bringing people together where we could go back to 2016, 2017. I felt like it was the complete opposite. Um, and, and also, and that was exasperated by several comments made by then President Trump, but um, I don't know, it was weird. It was like, what became the fascination in sports media was this punditry, almost like political punditry, right? Yeah. And things that were happening at that time, which it feels like it's been, you know, beaten to death in conversation and interviews, but was the national anthem kneeling that Colin Kaepernick really spearheaded and it spread throughout the league. And it was an interesting vantage point for me because I was strictly a reporter at ESPN and I cover Kaepernick with 49ers often because I was like the younger reporter and I loved going out West, whereas, you know, older reporters with their families were like, I I just, let me drive to Philly. I don't, I don't want to fly across country. That makes sense. Yeah. I was like, send me. I want to see the country. <laughs> and um, so it was It was interesting because I saw that perspective, too, of a very quiet, um, kind of like class clown of the locker room in terms of Kaepernick to then becoming this vocal race and uh, community relations speaker, so to speak, or not speaking, just by his kneeling. So I had seen it as a reporter. Then I saw punditry flourish in sports around this topic, and um, I wanted to speak up a little bit more, but I couldn't given that I was a straight-laced reporter, right? Like, yeah. you can't have your opinion. I think media's evolved and changed a bit where we have podcasts like this now. Um, a lot of people are writing their own books, so they're doing audibles, where you can allow a little bit more commentary. But long-winded way of saying, I wanted the chance to speak my mind. Um, when it was something I was passionate about and having my father be a retired Lieutenant Colonel in the military. Um, I was very one dimensional at that time in 2017 of like, no, you have to stand. And that's where my experience. And when people have asked me about it, I'm like, look, I'm not trying to be a MAGA Barbie that you're trying to pay me out to be. I just literally watched my dad go to war in the first wave to Iraq, like on the tarmac, leaving Patrick Air Force Base. So for me, it's just something automatically I will always do. 
That doesn't mean I don't recognize the race and gender struggles in this country because we have them. Uh, There's a spotlight on them. And actually, it was a lot of the racial division in the last year or two years spearheaded by the George Floyd uh, murder and, and protests around the country that that what would the word be? Um, opened my eyes even bigger than they used to be. Um, so, but going back to 2016, 2017, this was starting to happen. Sports was getting more political in the hosts and the airtime they were getting. And I just thought, well, I was a poli-sci minor in college. Like, I'm interested in some of this stuff. And I was in um, a big layoff at ESPN. And so I sort of had a fork in the road in 2017 of, like, do I just want to try to get another sports reporting job or do I want to see if I can tackle something new? And that's what I decided to do. But now I'm like, <laughs> you're <laughs> today and a cast game. And, um, oh my God, I'm, we have more in common than I thought. IPAs. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. but you, now you can, you can speak more of your mind, but it's like now you're like venturing out into this, where you can speak your mind, but it's like this cancel culture where you can speak your mind, but they're going to find something that you said when you're in seventh grade gym class. And it's like, how can you, like, your whole life you want to be a reporter and you want to be in the public eye, and then you get and say what you want to say, and now you get to this point in life where you can't really, or you're canceled. Yeah. Like, That's a good question. I think we're all trying to figure that out. Um, you know, not to get into specifics, because, like, I love talking about a range of subjects, but, you know, personal life, everybody has their own boundaries that they go public with. But something happened recently where I had said to the person, no matter what our issues are, like, just don't do this in public. Because all it takes is one camera phone. And, look, I have made mistakes in public. I was an anchor in Washington, D.C. at 23 years old. Literally, my first sports broadcast was 23. And this was pre-Twitter, pre-Instagram, Really just Facebook. Um, not that old. I'm older than you. I'm older than you. Don't worry. <laughs> but it used to, at that time, it was a big deal. Like, you, if you wanted a career in TV, as you know, you would have to go to, you know, Dubuque, Iowa, or these, like, far-off places and build your way up. And I got my first job just haphazardly in Washington, D.C. at the local cable channel. So it wasn't ABC7, but they were owned by the same company, the same All-Britain company at the time. In a top market. In a top 10 market in the nation's capital. And (laughs) it was a lot. And, you know, you can look back now and say what we're saying, right, of that's too young. At the time, of course, it didn't feel that way. And genuinely, I can look back and say talent and work production-wise, I could hang Mm-hmm. But it was then what happened in the later years of <laughs> the life aspect, right? Um, yeah. So I kind of lived the cancellation. I joke with my good friends and family before cancellation became an hourly thing we see every day. Yes, literally so, hourly. There's somebody canceled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to advance showing. That happened in 2015. And it was, in my opinion, not that I was, but at that time, sort of the start of let's have this coliseum-like yes. shaming of people in public. And it really psychologically messed with me, but I think I gained a lot of positive perspectives from it, and one of which is I don't care how badly someone messes up. Really, 
shy of like murder and sexual abuse and things of that severe degree. Mm-hmm. We're talking emails. If we talk, someone said something drunkenly in public. Yeah. I say to all my best girlfriends who might, you know, go in on an athlete that's made headlines or, or what have you. I say, what if you're in your most fun college drunken high school moment, a camera was put in front of you and it was blasted to the world. Do you think you would have your job? Do you think that would have impacted your employment? They take a step back and they say, Oh, said, yeah. So, you know, in the Washington football team's leak email leaks of the investigation, the NFL did on them. Whew, girl, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I, I, girl, me too. (laughs) I used to work there. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for one of the people that went down. Y- yeah. So, you know, you and I probably know and have seen some things, but that was, like, interesting to me that only one or two people got thrown under the bus. It was but, also interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so I just feel, or Rachel Nichols this past summer, former NBA host and reporter at ESPN, in her leaked video situation with then host Maria Taylor, I, I, I read about it and that's not at all to say I condone actions or I condone what was said, but I just know because I've been there you can empathize. what it's like to yeah. have hundreds of thousands of texts or tweets, DMs, and, and these aren't, you know, hey, I, I just don't like you. It, you. You're getting death threats, you're getting um, rape threats, you're getting... Gosh, I, I've had the gamut. And so I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So when I see that now, yeah, I am a little apprehensive. Not in that I wouldn't speak my mind on things I'm passionate about, but sometimes I just sit back, I look at my phone, I see what's trending, and I say, is it worth it? <laughs> is it worth it to my mental sanity to get into the muck of this? Yeah. Um, because it has affected me. And um, I, I think... Now that I want to go back into sports more fully, and Fox 5 has given me a lot of opportunities to host Washington football uh, post-game shows and yeah. mentioned, I am much more of the mind. It's just not worth it, right? And, you know, I did work at a political network, a mainstream network, but yeah. we all know which way Fox News can lean. So mm-hmm. I think about that, too, of even if I don't say anything, is someone going to look at my employment history and say – we don't think she's a fit for this sport or, you know, this right. show. And let alone if I was to say anything else uh, opinionated. Yeah. They just have so, this, like, assumption that, like, oh, she was there. She's yeah. going <laughs> to as soon make, she gets the mic, she's going to have something to say. And you're like, I didn't yeah. think Yeah. People make assumptions all the time. And especially, I you've noticed this too, I'm sure, Twitter's a lot of media versus media. Like, it's, I feel like it's not – so much a mainstream platform in that maybe people have it to follow, like, you know, the New York Times, so it, like almost as a news aggregate. But mm-hmm. in the media, it's more of this vanity project platform, like how uh-huh. many followers do you have? And, oh, I see. And it gets very acrimonious between different cable news hosts or reporters. And, and I've had some people in the media, the blue check mark brigade, say and tweet some pretty awful things to me. And when I was younger, I just wanted to fight back and, you know, get in it and combat and stand up for myself. To your point, now I just say it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. (laughs) You were able to recover from that. Like you said, you weren't canceled. Everybody has had a moment like that. And yours happened to be on camera. And the stress that you, like, took on from that 
it takes like this show is about like overcoming and obviously you've overcome career wise, but you have overcome something else <laughs> recently, physically having all the stress from that and what you had to go through and all, like in the media, obviously it's a stressful time. You're having headaches, you're thinking stress. What ended up happening? Well, uh, in the past two years, um, and I would say probably the fall of 2019, I was having these just blindingly painful headaches, right? That was my first clue of the health situation I had. Um, And then the only thing that would cure these headaches when I shut all the blinds and I curled up and I took Advil, Tylenol, probably too many um, over-the-counter pain meds that I should because they hurt that badly was vomiting. And I had never had a history of headaches. Um, Maybe, you know, playing sports, running, you're dehydrated, you get a headache. But I never had that issue, which unfortunately probably many listeners do have a history of headaches. So I had never had that, though. And I never, even in my most um, joyous occasions uh, with a few beverages, have I I thrown up. I just, I really have to count one hand. I, I just didn't. So those are two big red flags, but I think all of us in, in our uh, America and our culture, we are like, go, 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 right? Like, you're feeling yeah. a little pain, push through it, you know? Um, I played soccer in college. Like, if you, you Me too. Soccer, oh, my gosh, we're soul sisters. <laughs> There's so many things, Brit. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Britney Spears. Okay, sorry. Oh, my ahead. gosh. <laughs> and our love of, like, the pop. 90s yeah. pop. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I was like, okay, you know, I'm just stressed. I, I need, you know, I was going to get massages. I, I tried acupuncture for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, because then the headache started moving down into my neck mm-hmm. and, you know, in our 30, I'm 35. I'm like, oh, well at the time I was 33, 32, 33. I'm like, I'm just wearing tear of age, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, finally I went to a chiropractor and I've never been to a chiropractor in my life. People have very strong opinions on whether they are good or bad for you. The one I went to was great. And he said, look, I'm not going to try to alarm you here, but your symptoms sound very similar to a 27-year-old man who came to see me a couple years ago. And he had a cyst in his pituitary gland of his brain, which is a really awful predicament because that kind of controls our, our emotions, our volatility, um, and so the chiropractor said, because of that experience, uh, particularly, I'm going to schedule you an MRI. I didn't even know chiropractors. Me either. <laughs> You're uh, fancy. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to schedule you an MRI in Charlington, in the um, Arlington, Virginia area, yeah. in a week, and one for your neck and one for your head. I was just going. Almost blew it off. Right, wow. because I, I told my boyfriend at the time I was like, why why do I need to go? Like it's just it's it's stress. I was going through an unprecedented amount of stress at that time through work, and at that time it was uh, when I was at Fox News. Mm-hmm. So I was understandably attributing that sure. physical manifestation to what I was going through, which sure. I think many listeners, no matter if you're in media, you could be in any profession, we all can relate on that. Totally. So I almost skipped, and the only reason I went was because <laughs> there were the guapos right by the <laughs> So guap. So let's so, add that to the list. Guacamole is also. Oh, my gosh. And, like, some margarita and some chips and salsa. No. So I was like, okay, at least I can have that for lunch. Yeah. Um, so I went, and 
immediately after the neck and the brain scan, I changed out of my scrubs, and I never had an MRI before. Um, somehow, like every female soccer player, I never tore my ACL. <laughs> knock on that wood on your desk. Knock. Knock on the wood on your desk. <laughs> okay, good. You're going to get of like, you know, styrofoam now. But um, I didn't at the time growing up. So wow. I had never been through one. They're very uncomfortable. They're very loud. Yeah. The noise they make. Um, and on your head, you really, they put headphones in. They put earplugs in. You still hear everything. Um, so it was weird. And I change out of my scrubs. I'm sitting there waiting for the radiologist or just to be let out. And he walked over to me and said, Miss McHenry, can you come to my office, please? I'd like to talk to you. And as we all can relate, doctors do not come and immediately get you for anything unless it's something very serious, right? Like how many times we go to the doctor, you'll hear back two weeks later. Yeah. And I knew in that moment something was wrong yeah. because that has never happened to me. And so I, I walking down this hallway, this sterile white linoleum hallway, I just, I started crying. Yeah. I didn't know what it was, but I was like, something is wrong. And we, take her right into his office, huge monitors, huge TV monitors on the screen, and it's pictures of my brain. And there is a huge dark gray mass on my brain, which ended up being an astrocytoma tumor in my left frontal lobe, so like left forehead area. Um, and I will remember always that he was very kind to me. He would not use the word tumor, but he, he said, you have a brain lesion. And... That is honestly the one and only time in, through getting surgery that I just started bawling because mm-hmm. you hear something about either, I, I, I think, your brain or your heart, and you're like, yes, I'm going to die. Yes. I don't know anybody who has had brain cancer. Um, and I've been dealing with this, like I said, since September of 2019. So that's just when I started having headaches. So I am in a, a – a, I don't want to curse on here, but you can um, curse on here. Okay, I'll say I'm in a cluster <laughs> box of emotion. Yes, and, you're 33, you said. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. And oh, a day not... prior to that, I had done a two two day workout. I ran three and a half miles. I went to core power yoga. You know, the ladies on here know that that can be intense. Yeah. And now here I am. Like my exterior is fine, yeah. but my interior is broken and. Um, the doctor was like trying to calm me, but at the same time said, you need to go straight to the emergency room. Oh my God. Um, so I, I, and I, I didn't understand because I said, well, I've been, gosh, I have two jobs. I, I work at Fox five. I'm flying to New York every week with Fox news. Can't I just go home and get a bag of clothes for goodness sakes? You yeah. know, like something. And he said, no, you have to go straight there. So wow. I went to Nova hospital in Alexandria which was nearby and was there for 12 hours. And they did CAT scans on me to make sure what I had in my head hadn't um, grown and spread throughout my body. Oh, my God. Um, which was, was negative. It was clear. Um, and then, you know, a neurosurgeon on call ended up coming to the hospital at, like, midnight and said, do you have a brain tumor? Um, you're you're going to need immediate surgery. So that's when my life was thrown upside down. We were able, through friends, my family, my parents' friends, were able to get connected to Johns Hopkins 
in Baltimore, which you probably know, anyone listening, it's it's the best it is. neuro department in the country. Yeah. Uh, at least one of the top three with Duke um, and Emory, maybe you could say, is also really good. So um, my dad flew up immediately he's a pilot so he had actually just well he literally flew (laughs) yeah he literally flew like he had just flown his own plane to like the beautiful i think putacana mexico like he had just landed on work a work assignment Mm -hmm. to my poor father like i think 20 texts from my mom saying you know your daughter has brain cancer your daughter has brain tumor and he landed fortunately american let him leave you know Turned around, went to the airport, had no other change of clothes, flew up to flew to Washington D.C. and uh, went with me to Hopkins the next day, and that's when they said um, you need surgery in a week, God. one week from being diagnosed with a tumor. So it was an incredible, incredible experience, and um, it's a lifelong diagnosis um, because they said to me, it's not a question of if it's when, like your tumor will grow back in your life. Uh, I didn't know that. Because when they do surgery, some of the cells get embedded into your brain. So I had a very, fortunately I had a very clean cut surgery. Some tumors and people can go back in their head, their jig jack. It's hard to excavate them. Mine was, um, in that sense, pretty easy, but it was the size of two golf balls. Oh, my God. Radiologist from Hopkins later told me I could have had this as young as eight, um, definitely throughout all my 20s. And Just I had how big it was? They could tell it's been there. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. And did they give you anything, like, if it does come back or when it comes back, like, when you can – well, you'll know to, like, alert that, yeah. like, what are the signs? Is it just the headache? Because the headache didn't come on until, like, the end of, before they got it out. So, like, how are you supposed to know? I know. So they said the reason I started getting those massive migraines was actually the swelling from the tumor. It was getting close to my um, eye canals, and that's what was causing those bad headaches. Um, I like this. I prefer the overly cautious because, I mean, for maybe two decades plus, I didn't know I had a tumor in my head. Um, So I have to go in every four months to get an MRI. Great. Um, I go to, I'm based in Washington, D.C., so I'll go to Sibley, which is affiliated with Hopkins. And, um, you know, just cross my fingers and and hope and pray. And, unfortunately, the the removal of my tumor was so good. Mm -hmm. Um, Big props to Dr. Henry Brem. (laughs) (laughs) They uh, they they said I did not need chemo or radiation yet. Um, oh, amazing! So I have not done that, but um, it's every four months to monitor if there's growth, and yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. And you know, I've had my first seizure this summer. That's like a very common, again, lifelong side effect of having this because they took out, you know close to a quarter of my brain. <laughs> so, you know, the signal and wiring gets crossed and um, that seizures, I, you have no idea when it hits you at all. I just woke up on the ground like, what is going on? Oh, my God. And what if you were, like, by yourself and you hit your head or something? Yeah. Oh. Um, you know, I will say, I, I don't know if this is good, but um, <laughs> the next day after my seizure, my first seizure this past May, I had bruised my entire arm because I fell 
um, I think I hit my like nightstand or something. Like I fell off and it was really bruised. And I went to Nats Park and covered it. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> Back in the saddle. So You're a professional. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's but that um what you thought is commonly what a lot of people think, like, oh, they went in, they got it, you're yeah. good. And I've had to explain to several of my friends and family, like, it, it will grow back. It's a lifelong diagnosis. A good friend of mine who's become a good friend on Instagram, believe it or not, yeah. um, she just had her second brain surgery because wow. uh, some of it grew back. So the only positive and why I like talking about it, um, and I've never talked about it on a podcast. Only, I've only posted a little on my Instagram. But the reason I like talking about it is because I had no idea. And I can't fathom if I'm, I want to be a mom, but if I was a mother and I had, you know, an infant, a toddler, and this is happening, which does occur to women, right? Like what I would do. Um, And I don't know. I I think it's important to share our adversity and our pain in any degree because it not only can help someone going through that currently, it can help somebody discover – a similar issue themselves um, at the Caps game, the Caps opener against the Rangers that they won. Um, a young man, thir- I mean, I think 30s is still young. <laughs> I'm holding um, on to my 30s for two more months, <laughs> and then I'm and out. I think 40s is young, yeah. <laughs> um, he walked up with his wife and said, "Hey, Brent McHenry," and I'm just thinking because we have the, the camera and the lights, you know, mm-hmm. just coming up, sees that, wants to say hi, and he actually said. I followed your story. Turns out I had an astrocytoma tumor, too, that I found out just this January. Had surgery a week later, just like you. And we bonded and we talked yeah. about it. And oh, so, yeah, so it's like your podcast. I think connecting with others is the best kind of influence we can have. You know? It's the whole point of my podcast and my book, and it is, it's sharing the all of it. And yeah. I'm so, like, there are so many Instagram pages that are, like, these beautifully manicured pages with their, yeah. I, mean, I have a three and a five-year-old, and it's always, yeah. like, just chaos, and I have, I share everything now, but I feel like I got to that point, um, I want to talk to you about soccer, um, I got to that point because, like you, I was a four-year starter on varsity high school, yeah. captain, we were back-to-back state champions, I never That's came safe. off the field, <laughs> I never came off the field, and I, like, ran the field, and that, it was my passion I didn't realize until writing this book just how much soccer was my value it didn't matter I was homecoming queen I was prom queen enough that was not important to me it was like did they score because I was defense like I don't know why but that's how I validated myself that was my value so I train like a psychopath I'm first born and I'm it it's not good sometimes um and I came into I went to division one scholarship um going to play soccer and it was like when somebody would ask where I was going to school it was like Dayton for soccer and soccer it was just that's how obsessed I was so I got there win all the fitness competition because psycho trained every day and I'm like ready to go I did I will say that I did sign on late I was going to play at North Carolina State I had my letter of intent in the mail and at the last second I changed it and I ended up on this guy's roster, but it was an hour and a half from home, and I wanted my family to see me play in my games, which, ironically, yeah. I didn't play in. <laughs> so I wasn't playing, Britt. And it was like in a Division One sport, like all you put into that. It's like as soon as you're done with class, it's like training room, and then you had lifting and practice and traveling. As much as I was putting into it and I wasn't playing, I, if I have a big problem with fairness. I was like, this is not fair. Like it didn't matter what I did in practice. I wasn't going in. So I quit. 
and I quit in my, the middle of my sophomore season and was like, well, this isn't fair. Like kind of a rash decision, but it'll be fine. So I still live in the soccer house and they would go to their games. Like they'd have an away game and I'm just sitting in this house and I was like, so depressed. I mean, there was, I was like, I don't play soccer. What else? The stupidest thing, but you'll get it. I couldn't work out. I couldn't go to the athlete building anymore. I had to work out at the student rec and it was like, it did something to me. And I was so down and depressed and obviously I'm eating a ton. I'm not working out or training in a strength and conditioning program. I gained weight and then I, in intention to lose weight, started throwing out my food and it became, it started out as like trying to lose weight, but we can get into it. Bulimia doesn't really make you lose weight. It makes you big and puffy and throws off all your hormones, but it became just like something binging and purging was like what I did. Like when they would go on away trips, it was just like binging and purging. I hit it from five girls in my uh, house mm-hmm. and I dealt with it for 10 years mm-hmm. and I finally like got over it. and it's funny. I moved to DC. I got a job with, um, I can say uh, Larry Michael um, and at Westwood one in like yeah. CBS downtown. And then he asked me to come and be his assistant when we started, I can say Redskins cause that's what it was called. That's it's not it's anymore, called. but it's called Redskins. it <laughs> redskins.com TV. We launched. Yeah. Um, and I was like a producer. I did a couple of things on air, but I, um, I met my husband who was playing at the time yeah. and, that was frowned upon, um, but 16 years later, <laughs> we're still together and we have two kids. But I was so – I finally got over the bulimia, but I was so down and, like, depressed and, like, losing that identity and still kind of, like, puffy. And uh, I would do – if they give me stuff to do on air, like, of course I'd want to do it. And, you know, like, the guys are going to talk to you. Like, Larry was, like, in his 50s. He'd be like, – I was 24. He's like, go talk to this guy. Yeah. Like, do that. Like, so I would do it and then I would see the playback and be like, oh my God, like I didn't want to do it anymore. I was like passing up opportunities, like you said, in a top 10 market because I couldn't look at myself and my, I had no confidence Mm -hmm. and I just stopped doing it and I ended up, I quit, but it was more because I was dating Marcus and we're married now, but I had no self-worth. I was always worried that he was cheating on me because I felt like if I were in his position, like I wouldn't be dating me because I, I didn't have any value. I wasn't playing soccer. That soccer identity spiraled everything down as soon as I lost it, like eating yeah. disorders, depression. So when I finally got things back together after having both of my kids, I was 37, I wanted to write a book uh, to help women because after the eating disorders, it was like cardio seven days a week, yeah. not lifting because you don't want to bulk up. Like I would never lift barely eat, (laughs) don't snack, all these things that I think women are taught. My life changed when I started lifting heavy, eating all the time. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to write this book to show women who are on a treadmill every day. I lost 20 pounds. I've been able to keep it off. I eat all day long and I lift heavy. That's my book. And the, well, the, my book, uh, I had a writing coach and she's like, why would anyone listen to you? And I was like, oh, because I used to work out every day. And she's like, you don't have any credibility. You're not a trainer. You're not a nutritionist. And I was like, no, I figured something out. And she's like, what's your story? You have to show your story. And I was like, at that point, I'm like, no way. I'm never going to tell anyone. I'm taking my bulimia to my grave. And then I was like, one day I just wrote it. And I didn't give it to her, but I was like, it was out. And then I shared that. And it's like you said, that guy coming up to you, like, the messages that I get that somebody's like, me too. My husband doesn't even know. I've hid my bulimia from anyone. And like, you've just helped me. You've shown me that you can stop doing it. I mean, it's been like 14 years, but yeah. 
I, I said, me too. And like, I, yeah, I'm in great shape now, but I wasn't. And I was in terrible like mental space, but I wrote it. And I, now that I shared like that big thing, I share everything and, and just like, so that uh, somebody else can be like, oh my God, okay, thank you. Like just share it all. You have one life. Like you don't know how much time you have. Like why would you spend time like portraying this image that is not even who you are? Like you're, you get one chance. Like yeah. share it all and it makes people relate to you more and feel closer to you than it does like people thinking like emulating you like you're so perfect. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And most of those, you know, uh, I feel like those perfect – Mommy and daddy influencers, they have staging. They're, the reason it looks so organized is because they just got the shipment of, you know, crate and barrel bins they're trying to sell and make a profit off of. So I'm with you. And I just, I was just shown Face app. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was on vacation in Ireland over Labor Day weekend. Just quick, four-day awesome trip. But... I was floored because it cha- you can change your everything. Like, yes. you can have a smiling picture. All of a sudden, it gives you that, like, angry oh. out, all the influencers. Like, it literally I didn't know that. smile and your eye size, and it's wild. Like, it, and I am will see you in person. Like, at some point, yes. you have to be out somewhere, and people will be like, that's not what you look like. <laughs> like, I how can you <laughs> I know, and, and but then it but it, it clicked for me, and ju- just I'm sure same with you as you were saying for what's real life and parenting and for women is that you know all of these these women I've seen who try to be influencers I hate that word but like influencers okay. or models on Instagram it's like they're using an app that completely distorts how they look. Yes, and we're in our 30s and can recognize that. Whereas if I was 15 and 16 in high school, I I've struggled enough. Same. Yeah. I don't know how I would handle that. And we didn't have social media. We struggled. Like I was, there was a point I wouldn't eat carrots because they were a starchy carbohydrate and I would come home from high school and nap so that I didn't eat. It was like time that I wasn't eating. My daughter is going to be six and she's going to have social media all the time. Like, and she's the firstborn. And I, like, I just, I wasted so many years just trying to be this perfect. The funny part was I was working so hard, starving myself and doing all these things in like seven days a week that like, now it almost feels like I'm cheating. I, it's not when you just calm down, calm the f down, and don't yeah. go on vacation. Like, do they have a gym? And yeah. what is the menu at the restaurant? And like, yeah. don't live like in this state of stress. Your body just kind of finds where it's supposed to be, and it stays there. And you're not like having all these cortisol spikes with stress, and which makes you hold on to fat. Like, I figured yeah. it out so much later in life. Yeah. And I want you to share that message, like, just enjoy your life, calm, like, move your body, eat when you're hungry, stop eating when you're satisfied, which a lot of people don't think about that part. They just finish yeah. their meal, which I get to, like, I don't like to waste things, but you can eat it in, like, an hour, because I'm going to be hungry in an hour, because I lift heavy. Yeah. It all kind of just, like, goes <laughs> together. Yes. What's sad is, look, I know, you know, you're raising the new generation. I, I understand the, you know... Plastic surgeon's office, which I'm not against if you want to fix yourself up a little bit, but the 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 big, you know, bosoms and butts and all that. I get that there's challenges for this generation and the young ones coming up, but for us, yeah. when we were teens and you know, I'm five foot ten, so I was Same. a <laughs> yeah, oh girl, I was a late summer, so you know, my- <laughs> I'm still not bloomed. No, still that's not. where it ends. Yeah, it was like. It was rough, like 12 to 17, 
2018 was not <laughs> the cutest years. And I tell people that, and they're like, oh. Look at you now. Humble brag. <laughs> I'm like, no, I had buck teeth. I had an overbite. It was, it was a lot. Um, but we had, the jet, we had the phase and the fad of you have to be waist-like thin yes. with the low-rise jeans. Um, <laughs> you're, you're with your bones, your hip bones. Yes. And yeah. – like, it sounds like, like you, I was always athletic. Like, I always either play, you know, play soccer or channeled if I want to lose weight or get fit or whatnot. It's like, I, I'm going to work out. And I'm still like that. Because yeah. for me, the endorphin release mentally, it helps totally. me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I modeled a little bit because my parents moved down to South Florida when I was a freshman in college and thought I'd try it. I mean, purely because I'm, I'm so, you know, we're so tall. I was like, why not? And you're gorgeous. You're 5'10 and you're gorgeous. <laughs> also. I, I, I just was like, why not? And yeah. um, I remember coming back home and it was the sophomore, summer going into my sophomore year. And of course, like you're a freshman in college, you're eating pizza at night, you know, you're studying for exams and I enjoyed my freshman year. And I got that, back, that card that you can swipe and swipe and swipe. <laughs> Yeah, it's I like, yeah, all you can eat. Enjoy myself. And um, as you know, in playing soccer that year, you know, you bulk up. It's not, I, would, I hate even using the word bulk, but you no, I know muscular yes. type of build, which is beautiful. But in that fashion world, oh, my goodness. I must, I, you know, to them, I was grossly overweight. And when I say grossly overweight, at five foot ten, maybe I was pushing a size six, okay, wow. which – you know, and I remember coming home that summer, went into the agency in Miami, talked to my agent and said, look, I know it's the slow season. I'm not going to quit school, though, to model. Like, but is there anything, do you have anything I can do just to pick up some, you know, jobs and money? And she looked at me. She's like, sure. She goes, so how are you handling it? I go, handling it? What? I mean, life, life's great right now. She's like, no, I mean, the weight. And I look at her, and I, I have the same kind of reaction. I, I lean back and go, uh, uh, I'm speechless, kind of stuttering, like uh, uh, not knowing what to say. She goes, if you want any work, you're going to have to lose 20 pounds in the next two weeks. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. And it would have been putting me at a size zero two, which is not really healthy for a five foot ten and up. No. Um, so it's, I would to add on to what you said. I think it's great that you wrote a book. I think it's great you're connecting with women and, and men, too, because they have their own body dysmorphia issues. Um, because I, I I would go so far as to say at least 90% of women have some form of body shame or body, um, you know, eating disorder. Or for me, it was like almost exercise bulimia. I had that. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Did you write? Yeah. Like, I had note cards, and I yep. wrote exactly. I know, shredded lettuce, five. Yeah. Every single thing I put into my body, and then I would add it up, and I would go on this elliptical, and yeah. I would. I put that in my book, too, and my parents didn't know what I was doing. Because I was going to yeah. ask you, like, I didn't know if you struggled. Like, what, like anorexia. Mine was like anorexia. Then it evolved into exercise yeah. bulimia. Then actual bulimia, which I couldn't get a hold on. Like, that was yeah. my, the hardest thing. Like, I couldn't stop doing it. Yeah. Um, but just, like, being in the public eye, like, did you ever have time? I mean, look, I, anyone that looks at you is probably thinking you never had any problems with confidence. Like, the things that, like, I would see the playback and be like, I don't just, I don't even want to air it. I don't want to do it anymore. I ended up getting, like, the person that took my job was a Redskins cheerleader who, yeah. like, was confident on camera. And I would, like, rather, as much as I wanted it, I didn't want yeah. to look at myself. 
Did yeah. you ever go through a time where you dealt with like self-esteem, like when you're on TV and like worried about like somebody was going to critique? Oh, for sure. So my first, um, when I got hired by ESPN, it was unique. I was hired like seven months prior, but I had my contract finish out at ABC seven and my news director was stickler for those things. Um, and so finally he ended up letting me out like a month early, but fortunately, you know, at, at that time, those jobs were very hard to get at ESPN. And so they waited for me. Um, February, March of 2014, I was starting the job, and um, I had gone through a really awful breakup. Like, it, it was not so much this was the person for the rest of my life, but it was a bit kind of emotionally abusive at the end, um, on his end. And so I just, I lost a ton of weight um, adjusting to the schedule, traveling places. I, I truly wasn't trying not to eat, but, you know, you're so busy It'd be 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't eat anything. I just had a coffee today. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely love to eat, so I'm not just making that up. Like, I, I was just so busy, and you're traveling, you're taking this flight, this red eye. Um, so your whole dietary schedule gets thrown off. And um, I remember my first big assignment was in a- end of April was the NFL draft. And I was assigned to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they were supposed to draft a quarterback. So it's, like, not the sexiest team but it ended up being a big pick. I think they were the third pick, had the third yeah. overall pick that year. And I went on, you know, and I'm, like, so nervous. And, <laughs> this is, you know, it's a huge audience. Or, again, I think streaming has kind of changed for a lot of things. But at the time, it was like, you want to watch the draft? It's this one place. We still and watch it on – ESPN is, like, the – it's never not on in our house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was right before the draft, like – we did a reporter, you know, whip of all the reporters of the team a couple minutes before the draft started. So it was like 7.58. Yeah. And then it started at 8 o'clock. And we all did our 30-second reports. And, you know, I'm 27, and I'm like, Twitter was starting to become a big thing then. And I'm like, what did people see? What did they say? Yeah, of course. I go on, and... Of course, there's the complimentary, there's the compliment stuff. But I start getting a bunch, hundreds, thousand tweets being like, oh, this new reporter has a five head. This new reporter's eyebrows don't match her root color. This new reporter uh, clearly has, I mean, it's crude, but it was what was said to me, fake tits. This reporter has veneers. This reporter thinks she's so pretty and she just looks like, you know, a backstage whore. And I... I was just, oh, my God. <laughs> and I, I, I really, yeah. So then that spiraled me a bit of, like, anything I posted on Instagram, like, mentally, I'm like, it has to be perfect. Like I Imposter syndrome. Like, you start, like, thinking that people are thinking, like, how do you get through that? Like, how do you obviously overcome it? You know, I think with everything, and I'm sure with you too, like you can be healthy and great, but you're going to have some moments of weakness or relapse, right? Where you, you've conditioned your mind to think a certain way. And mm-hmm. society has conditioned all of us to think this is what's attractive. This is what's not. This is how you should be as a parent. This is how you should not. So, um, mm-hmm. I really didn't for, I can say now I am. And, Going back to what I said about that towing incident, yeah, you have everything written about you, and you're suddenly go from a nobody knows who you are to Us Weekly, and you're the new Regina George of the country. Like, Aww. it um, it bothered me. It was awful, 
But I think now I've gotten to a point that probably naturally comes with age where I'm like, you don't like me. You don't like me. Like, I would be much more upset if I posted a picture of my significant other or children one day and people are commenting on them than me. Like, I've gone through that. um, But it was hard. And I think I wanted to always be on. You know, I remember covering – Jordan Spieth, when he was, like, hot rod, you know, number one golfer, Mm -hmm. and they sent me to Iowa. I've never been to Iowa. Okay, (laughs) no shade to Iowa. (laughs) Inadvertently shaded the state, like, twice in this combo. Um, But I was at a Courtyard Marriott. I was so lonely because what people Uh don't see, and you know this from working at TV, what they don't see behind the scenes is, like, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Maybe I go to Chili's. Maybe I just eat and, like, you know, a Campbell's soup from the hotel bar. Yeah. And I was single. And I remember once the tournament was over, getting back in the rental car, driving back to Chicago to fly out. And I actually got to Chicago, and I posted a selfie of myself purely to see likes and comments. And that – at least I was self-aware enough to know was not healthy. Like the mm-hmm. only form of real love I was getting was from strangers commenting on a picture of me. Yeah. Um, those two instances in particular were uh, eye-opening to that people can be really cruel anonymously, and you can't find love and success on a television screen. It has to be within. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's what I try to focus on now. Like. But I, I still have moments of what we all do in the rat race. And my goodness, like, you know. This is what we do. And um, I had a – she's an author, stand-up comedian. Um, Christina Kuzmich was on, and she does, like, YouTube videos. Yeah. And it's, like, so – it was everything. It was so profound. She had two jars, and she had all these M&Ms. And, like, all the, an M&M's dropping in the jar, and you hear the voice overhead going, you're beautiful. You're so smart. I love um, your outfit. I love how kind you are. Bing, bing, Eminem, Eminem. It's, it's overflowing, about to come out. And she's just like standing there looking at it. And then it goes, you're not good enough. And one Eminem goes in the other jar. Yeah. She looks at the one M. She pushes the big one down. <laughs> she takes the one and walks away. And I was like, oh, my God. You, yeah. Like you said, there's so many comments like saying you're so beautiful. But you, it's like we see the one and it's like the one. And it will like, honestly, it still like ruins my day when people yeah. just say something so mean. And, of course, I see it. And yeah. I don't comment, like just trolls. But it's the people that you're sparking something in them. Like if they want to be doing what you're doing and you're doing it, they're like, well, look at her hair or look at her boobs. Like they try to like poke holes at it because you're doing what they want to do. And once somebody, I always talk about the same thing, but it hurt me so much. I know. <laughs> I had a picture of, it was just my legs and I have super muscular legs. I played soccer my whole life. I live really heavy. Never lose those. I know. I, can no, I want it. I, it's my, my favorite thing about yeah. myself is my legs. Um, yeah. But I, this woman said, that's a woman um, I thought it was a man. <laughs> she said, definitely not the, and then she wrote another comment, definitely not the body type I'd ever want. And I was like, and I said that to a trainer and she's like, first of all, what are you, are, do you want it? These strong legs? And I was like, yeah. She's like, you lift heavy to, to yeah. get muscle. Right. And I was like, yeah. She goes, then what she said is in, well, not a man, but what she said is in the line with what you're trying to do. So, yeah, you can't exactly. But like, I was like, what the person sits behind? I'm going to say this is a man. Like, what are you? I had to, she's like, you spark something in her. Like maybe yeah. 
He wants more muscle tone. So she's like, that's a dude. You know, like people try to like, when they see you, those are the people that you're really shining for because they're like, they have to, and they hide behind their keyboards. Like, and it's, it's sad. Like it, you make, it makes you feel sad for that person that like they took the time to write that comment. Like that's what they're doing yeah. with their day is, is bringing you down. I, yeah. And I, I struggled big time with it. Like even as recently as three years ago. And then I think through the health scare and just, you know, what I navigated through at, at Fox news and like, I went through such heavy stuff. And at the same time that I don't care now I see it. I'll just block it. But the real losers, and I will call them this because they're they're harassing and they're trying to bully, are like, you'll block an account, and then they'll come back. They'll make a new one. And it's like no picture, no followers, just to write a nasty comment to a stranger they don't know. I do not understand those people. Like, who hurt you? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's how you have to think of it. Like, oh, my gosh, I'll pray for you. Like, <laughs> you yeah. feel like – Yes, but you're, I mean, I have no, nowhere near the following that you do, so I can't even imagine, like, how many, like, how, when you post something, he's like, here we go. <laughs> you yeah. have to be like. I know. Well, and it's funny, too, because, um, you know, so a little backstory to that towing incident is actually the cashier had said a lot of offensive things to my friend. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't right. like. I would never just go up to somebody. And First of all, you got your car towed. And I've been, just in that instance, you're already like, what, what? Like, you're so annoyed yeah. that somebody would actually do that to somebody. So yeah. you, that's yeah. that. And then she was saying stuff to your friend? Saying stuff to my friend and to me, like, insulting our appearances, which I should have just paid and left. But it, a lot of people thought I just walked up to this cashier woman and I was just going off. I was like, that's that's not what happened, but even though I'm in media, that's what sold more clicks and more magazines and more store, you know, the narrative that um, the cheerleader blonde is mean. She's a Regina George. When I just told you, I was like, you know, a soccer player. I was dorky in high school. Like, it could have been further from the truth. Um, but I think, again, like, it was, it was awful and it was humiliating. Um, but I think that... If I was to teach any kid now, it's like you're going to make mistakes. You are going to lose your temper. You're going to react to people provoking you. People are going to shape narratives that are not real. The best you can do is to not react to it. And I will always love Michelle Obama quote of, like, when they go low, we go high. Mm -hmm. And I did not that night. So, yes, I was in the wrong. But um, I do laugh in that. (laughs) Some of the, you know, if anyone says, oh, I judge and insult on looks, I'm like, well, I just fixed my teeth with Invisalign, so you know what? I can improve, and I've had to improve myself too several times. So, yeah, and they, you only get one. You get the you got half the story. It's like the guy. They always get the second guy on the field. Like somebody does something, and then they they get the guy that reacts, yeah. and then yeah. that guy's out of the game. And I'm sure with your husband, it's like athletes deal with this all the time too, where yeah. they're you know asked questions that pigeonhole them, or it's like I remember when Johnny Manziel feels like a lifetime ago, it was a big thing on the Browns. Yeah. All ESPN at that time wanted, and this is an insult, but they wanted the story on Manziel. Like, yeah. that was the assignment. Yeah. So I would have to go in. I went in one game after a loss when they were on a huge losing streak. Oh. None of these guys want to talk to you to begin with. And now I'm asking other players and, like, pro bowlers in their own right, what do you think about Johnny Manziel as your quarterback? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They were annoyed, understandably, because it's like you don't know what's really going on if that's what you're asking me about. So 
I guess I've been on both ends of it. I've been, you know, the yeah. purveyor. Yeah. I've suffered it myself. And all you want to do is just correct the gossip, correct the story. But once you do, you engage in it, and it's like a losing battle anyway. So. You just so beautifully said, I made a mistake. I, I regret it, and I'll learn from it. Like, it wasn't like, you could have been like, no, they didn't show the beginning when she was talking. You didn't even say it. Like, yeah. you're just now saying that. You yeah. handled it. Like, you owned it. And But seven years later, I mean, it's, it's yeah, true. <laughs> I will still get a couple people that bring that up, and I'm like, oh, my, oh my goodness. You no, know, you have so. reinvented yourself. Like, look at you now. Like, what is next for you? Um, that's a good question. So Fox 5 has been great to me. I coincidentally, both network and local have just stayed in the D.C. area, which I love. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of like, I guess sports specific. Like if there was an opportunity with hockey and the NFL again, um, I'd welcome that, you know, in, its, in itself or in addition to Fox 5, because I did used to do two jobs with Fox 5. So, um, I don't know. Maybe start a podcast like you. I know it's not easy, but we'll see. It's because like, I get to – well, did I tell you how I got this? No. Like, I was just going live on Instagram during the pandemic, and I had – there were two and four. And at the end of the day, I would just be like, what the hell are we yeah. supposed to do with them all day? So I was like, ladies, pour a cocktail. Thursday yeah. nights, we're, I, we would share, like, what that. we're doing with our kids. <laughs> like, yeah. It was so authentic, like, completely organic. And I would just be myself, and I was like, and yeah. somebody was like, scavenger hunt. Have them go find, like, a, a pine cone and a stop sign. I was like, this is good. Yeah. Next Thursday again. So I did it for, like, a month, maybe a more than that. But And then the program director at TOP yeah. in D.C. reached yeah. out and was like, we want this to be show on Podcast One, and we will produce it for you. We will promote it on TOP. They sent me all the equipment. And I was like, well, first, no, they said, we want you to host a show yeah. On podcast one, I was like, oh, my God, I would love to. What's it about? And they were like, no, it's this. It's squats and margaritas. Like, you do this, and yeah. you book. I still get to book the guests. So, like, I, I don't have to, like, run yeah. you by anyone. That's yeah. what's so great. Somebody that I know that I would vibe with and I, like, want to have a conversation with, I reach out to them. Sometimes it takes a really long time. Yeah. But um, you have a, you already have, like, the platform, and you have the name. Yeah. So you could probably book whoever you wanted to book. Like, I – what I've done is, like, I've got a couple real housewives. And, like, once I have one and I yeah. want somebody else, I just say, here's yeah. a recent episode with Teddy yeah. Mellencamp or something. Like I, or, like, if I want somebody in music, here's a recent episode with Chris yeah. Kirkpatrick. And then they're like, oh, it, like, legitimizes my podcast. Like, Chris did it. Or, and I just had one. <laughs> one is all you need. But you will not have that problem because everyone knows you. And you can just have – that's why I wanted squats and margaritas to be, like, everything. Like, fitness, whatever's trending. I didn't want to, like – only talk about fitness like I had last week I talked to a carnivore who hasn't eaten a vegetable since 2009 and it's like this whole movement and I love that I can talk about whatever I want to we didn't even talk about 90s boy bands but if we wanted to we could do another one because nobody is like telling me what I have to talk about on my show is this uh this is my plea I'll, I'll take this opportunity right now I yeah. know you know according to his Instagram he is in a loving relationship but JC <laughs> am I saying it right Shazay Shazay I still love you. You're watching. <laughs> so Chris turned 50 on Sunday, and JC came to Vegas. I don't know. If, well, I don't know if they knew he was there, and yeah. like spent the whole day. And my sister was really? like, like he he flew out, flew in that day, spent the day with Chris, and then flew out that night. Probably a lot of it to do with like there was a, hundreds of people coming in at night. And he was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> but he came in and spent the day, and yeah, like made it a priority because really nice. yeah. Like he is a, very a nice. lot of those guys, you know. We talked yeah. about the Street Boy Love too. So, <laughs> well, I have to like be team and think and like 
full disclosure, I was a psycho and think the fact that my sister married one and everything's like you did like she didn't care. <laughs> she so like how did wait, wait, but you had like the posters. I don't know if I did posters, but I definitely did. You remember like back in the day like um team team Bob, team Bob. Devin Sawa from like Casper and uh, Little Giants. And I looked at his Instagram, still looks good to this day. I'm like, maybe put that out there. Are you single? Uh, you know, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's all that, that pause. (laughs) I got it. Okay. Yeah. It's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Now you got me blushing. Uh, I could talk about health scares and everything else, but, um, yeah, I really get into pop culture stuff. In addition to your podcast now, I listen to, uh, one my friend does called Behind the Blinds, where she and her co-host will, like, read, yeah, Behind the Blinds. They'll read blind (laughs) items to celebrities and talk about them. It's really good. Oh, yeah. That's great. Well, maybe one day I'll have Brittany on. I got to grow this. And yes. then get Brittany on one day to talk. <laughs> Maybe she'll grant me. Yeah. Sit down with Brittany. She's like, nah, not people, not entertainment. Squats and margaritas, you. Like, I've been yes. a fan since, yes. like, Baby One More Time. I know all the choreography. Um, yeah, so I feel like Jessica Simpson's booth that she just, like, her, you know, very lucrative billion-dollar fashion line, she just puts some, uh, like, an Instagram story out, like, this is my new stuff. And I saw these red sparkly boots, and I sent them to my friends. I'm like, I gotta get these. And they're like, Brit, they're like four inch heels. You're five foot ten. Where are you gonna wear sequin cowboy boots in DC? I'm like, I still love Jessica Simpson. Like, I <laughs> and will. I will represent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I will represent you and share this. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.